Welcome back to the Ballistic Autistic Podcast. I am Steven, your host, and I'm starting off with this podcast by saying, you never go full retard. Uh, yeah, like, it was that bad. And what I mean by that bad, I am talking about the m- new movie that came out by Sia, her directorial debut, called Music. And all I can say is, I feel so bad for anyone associated with this project, um, specifically uh, Maddie Ziegler, because she is a fantastic dancer. I do not want to give her too much of really of a harsh criticism because she's a dancer. Not sh- her main thing isn't really acting, as far as I know. I think she's done some small stuff, but um, there's so much backstory between her relationship with Sia as it is that um. I definitely, she gets <laughs> she gets a pass because it this one hundred percent the monstrosity of the movie that is called music falls squarely on the shoulders of Sia, and I tried my best to hold off judgment. I and I did. I held on like I will see it and then I will make my judgment. And my judgment is, I need to get a refund from iTunes because uh, that was just. Oh my gosh. Like my wife's sitting right next to me as we start it and it's immediately she's like, "Oh my god, this is so cringe." <sighs> yes, it was very much overall a caricature and a poor representation of how you handle and deal with someone with autism. I understand 100% that it's an artistic take of going back and forth between the reality of what's going on around the character music versus what's going on in her mind and the translation of that and the and translating the overstimulation and and the over the sensory overload, but it was just, I'm sorry, it wasn't good writing, it wasn't good acting. Uh, um, I, I mean, maybe the acting wasn't so bad, but the the, the directing also was just it was all over the place. It, this is definitely going in uh, a pile of. Um, you don't have to see it if you don't want to, but if you see it, I hope you get to see it for free. Like if you want to. I don't know why you would want to waste your time on this movie. I, we, my wife and I literally watched half of it, realized it was going so slow, and we're just so over it. We stopped it halfway through, literally right in the middle, and then finished it the next day, only just to like say I finished it, and so I could talk about it on the podcast because it was, it was just overall ridiculous. The overall, uh, it was bad. I I wish I could say something nice about it. I mean, uh. I I mean I already saw a lot of people in the um Reddit groups about how they d- did not um like it and um and someone was kind enough to message me through the um uh Anchor podcast app uh and they had a very good point and I and I kind of understood where they come from and now I 100% get it now by watching the movie uh, and and it's a strong point cuz I don't want to diminish people's experience and especially those of the black minorities when people talk about blackface. I thought when they said the way that they were portraying autism in music, the movie music, was likened that to blackface. It's like, okay, I can kind of see that, but now I really see it after watching the movie. It, it, it's just irrehensible. I, I, this is definitely kind of movie. I'm, I, art needs to be out there. You, to know bad art, you need, to know good art, you need to have bad art out there. I uh, 100% will always stand by that. But does it mean that it's not shielded from the criticism? And it gets a bucket load of that. 
there's no point in spoiling it. I mean, so going forward, if you don't want to um, hear the rest of this podcast, or if you don't mind it being spoiled, um, then stick with me here, because um, I do kind of want to do a breakdown of the movie, uh, but because uh, it's there's not too many surprises really to go on. Uh, otherwise, uh, hang in there because there's some really cool positive uh, new stuff that I am going to be joining in at the end um, here for a second. So, but let's just do a quick breakdown. I mean, basically, the movie just kind of starts with, you know, immediately very kind of jarring. Um, I mean, I can see like why some of the people on uh, why some of my fellow autistics online kind of like it when they saw the that opening monologue. They felt that the, that's where the caricature really started because they were kind of taking um, her stimming and caricaturizing it. Um, at that part, though, is still slightly forgivable to me because you're interpreting it into a dance. You were trying to take it not necessarily. Uh, I don't. At least to me, I felt and. I, I, this is probably one of the few justifications I give. If they weren't trying to turn it into a character, I would imagine, especially Maddie Ziegler, because she's the dancer. She's, she's, you know, I, I would hope and imagine that Sia, you know, besides was giving her some kind of, and I'm curious as to who the choreographer was for these scenes, if it was purely Sia, um, how much input Maddie Ziegler had. Um, you know, but trying to turn the stimming into an artistic interpretation of dance. I kind of get what they wanted to accomplish. But for whatever reason, it didn't. I can't put my finger on why. All I can say is, as personally, and even then that's again, that's like even my wife immediately was <laughs> this is cringe. It maybe it's just not doable, or maybe my own personal biases automatically kicked in from the beginning. I, I like to think I tried my best to go into it with an open mind and you know, unbiased as possible. I mean, I like Sia, liked Sia's music. Uh, I, after this, I'm finding a hard reason to want to support her, seeing as she's uh, completely her abandoned, completely abandoned her social media. She's gone dark. Uh, I am super happy that I don't seem to see uh, on Twitter anywhere with Maddie Ziegler uh, being attacked by anyone. I would hope that anyone listening to the podcast uh, who is an advocate and a friend of anyone on autism would not go out of their way and to say anything disparaging, negative, or critical, uh, or hateful, mean-spirited to her on any of her posts. Uh, again, like I said at the beginning, I, this 100% lands on the shoulders of uh, Sia. So, um, but yeah, so it's just like, it's just that initial scene. It's very jarring. I, w I mean, anyone autistic, I would, some I would imagine autistic would have a hard time viewing it because and, and I get, again, there's that mixture of artistic interpretation of that overstimulation of what's going on inside her mind. and But then just kind of going off, or then you're getting right into the acting, and it's just bad. And they, and they try to get, you know, okay, so it just jumps in right into her daily routine. And and then, of course, you know, you're trying to figure, okay, where's where's Kate Hudson's character? Which it was just Zoo. Zoo. Okay. Anyway, uh... And of course, it's just an introduction of uh, it ends up being you know having a stroke, and poor music has to walk in on her dead. It's just you know so they go straight into trying to be heartbreaking and trying to tug at your heartstrings and maybe trying to negate like hey don't hate us we have a tragic story going on like ugh no 
Well, that's where you get Kate Hudson's character. She gets called because she's a half-sister of music, and she's coming in now to who is, uh, you know, as you get into backstory, she is a, um, well, it seems like they insinuate mostly an alcoholic, but definitely uh, a possible drug addiction in their past, and obviously some minor criminal background. Yay! Uh, and so now you have this drunken alcoholic uh, caretaker for <laughs> music. But luckily there's a great community around her um, that's trying to be supportive because they're looking out for music. You know, you have the... Uh, the younger uh, neighbor uh, uh, immigrant, they tried. They that's the other one thing that bugged me about the guy. Oh man, I can't remember his character's name. I feel so bad right now. Um, but uh, you know, they barely insinuated like what some of the problems with his past history or what was going on with his background. Like they kind of insinuated sick, or they insinuated he might have HIV. It was a little confusing. And again, I think I take back to, to the point where this is just poor writing, poor directing. And then, um, and then you just have her. I don't know. It, the movie's all over the place. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I really want to focus on some happy, fun stuff. So, um, you know what? I'm glad you stuck it out for this because you know what? I'm gonna di- uh, I'm gonna diverge this back because just focus back on some of the positive things. So, um, you know, I don't want to hate on it too much. It's okay. I do. I do want to get on it. It was not a good movie. I wasted my money. <laughs> uh, and uh, I still can't believe that there's uh, Golden Globe nominations for this movie at all. Uh, oh, and that's one of the other reasons. Okay, so I do want to get into this thing because um, I want to tie it into um, The Hollywood Reporter had a pretty good story regarding, you know, um, you know, the comparison between music and uh, with, I guess they have a, a movie coming out. So I'm just going to kind of go into the article and share it with you. Um, hopefully you stuck around. I really do. Um, so starting with the Hollywood Reporter, so it starts here. The Golden Globe-nominated music drew heavy criticism, yeah, for its portrayal of autism, while advocates point to Pixar's Loop as an example of authentic storytelling about a community that has long been misrepresented. And that's what, um, you know, I guess anyone wants to do want because with entertainment in general. Like, here's a prime example of why people have an issue with misrepresentation because when you already have a misrepresentation, you have these stigmas attached because people are like, oh, I saw it in this portrayal, so this obviously must be you in some way. Perfect example, uh, silencers. Okay, it's, follow with me. I know it seems a little weird coming out of left field, but get, here's my point. How many people believe be, purely because of movies and TV shows that silencers Take a bullet going from a bang to a pew, pew, pew. No, it doesn't do that. Silencers don't work that way. And that's why many states, like California is a perfect example, that have completely balanced silencers, even though they're literally meant to protect your ears. They help so that way you don't have to wear oversized hearing protection. Generally, you're not wearing earmuffs when you go hunting. So that's why silencers are a great tool for when you're hunting. But yet, they're banned. Simply because moronic ideas of like oh it makes it silent so it makes it easier to murder people because you have this little you silence a gunshot like no they're still loud but it makes it a lot easier so you don't have to have ginormous hearing protections over your ears so it's uh, my my point is because of quite literal misrepresentation of one thing a silencer 
now, but there's a cast of idea of what they do when in reality, those who actually are into them or know about them, have used them in person, know the reality. So it's the distortion of reality of what is happening. So that's why, uh, I guess, and, and generally I'm not a, like, it's not really on my mind about the, having the proper advocacy, but um, I guess the point of my podcast is what I want to do is like, yeah, this is just one aspect of, you know, I'm autistic, but, you know, I have my priorities and I'm never going to dwell too much on, <laughs> I guess, like how I'm represented because there's such a vast variety of, you know, how we are, who we are, what we are. Um, and so I just going to keep moving on. So let's continue with the Hollywood Reporter starting. Um, Sia, once obscured directorial debut music, drew initial backlash from disability advocates after film's teaser debuted <coughs> excuse me, uh, in November. But the movie's two Golden Globe nominations announced in early February has sparked a larger and sustained conversation about how the entertainment industry portrays autism. Yeah. Music centers on the free-spirited Kate Hudson. Oh, I won't go that far. Free-spirited Kate Hudson, who uh, moves back to take care of her nonverbal autistic teenage sister music. Okay. Well, half-sister. I mean, okay, I'm a stickler for sticking to the facts. So, I mean, yes, they're sisters, but, you know, they're half-sisters. Played by Maddie Ziegler. Initially, people took to social media upset by the casting of Ziegler, at this point rightfully so, who has long starred in Sia's music videos instead of the instead of a performer on the autism spectrum. And here's the thing um, with Sia in their tweets that she talked about. I'm kind of diverging here for a second. She says that they had originally tried working with someone on the spectrum. Guess what? No one's come forward saying that they've tried working with it. There's been no indication. Like, who, who, who's this person? Well, like, can we talk about, you know, what they're, I would love to hear what they, what they're, how they were treated, how it was, how things were handled on set. I would love to know their experience firsthand point of view of what was going on on set. And here, this is the crazy thing. I didn't realize that this has been in four year plus production that this started filming back in 2014. So and I guess Maddie herself was still a teenager. Like she wasn't even eighteen. I think she was fourteen herself. I guess she was born in two thousand. Oh, it's an easy guess. So she wasn't even eighteen. Um, and and like I said, there's a weird connection of um, <sighs> some uh, would argue predatory by nature of her atta uh, Sia's attachment to Maddie Ziegler, and um, it. Uh, when you keep seeing these stories, yeah, it's uh, weird. Yeah, okay. So, uh, keep going. But with the Golden Globe nominations, the film's release, the movie received one night U.S. release February 10th in select IMAX theaters. Ugh. Music face renewed criticism, especially for the scene that shows Ziegler's character being forcibly restrained in a prone position on the ground. Not once, but twice. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, and I remember seeing stuff that they were supposed to be removed. And what I saw, they were not. Uh, okay, activists and advocates note on social media that the practice has been known to cause serious injury and in some instances death with the National Autism Association calling the method abusive. Yeah, especially when they did one of those scenes in public in a park. It, uh, yeah, you're going to get stared at when you're jumping on top of uh, uh, a teenage white girl that's having a meltdown. And to the to the one bit of writing that was actually funny when you have, uh, oh yeah, I didn't even say, uh, their black neighbors like, I'm, there's no way I'm jumping on a white girl in the middle of the park. Yeah, yeah, he would be arrested instantly. Let's just be honest with that. 
Sia reportedly apologized and announced that the movie would have a warning label placed at the beginning of the film due to the restraining scenes. Nope. Uh, there wasn't ours. Uh, I just watched it yesterday. Um, let's see. Today's the 28th. So, yeah. So, we're talking about the 26th and 27th I watched it. The singer songwriter has since deleted her Twitter account entirely. Uh, no. You need to get it back on there. Sia, take your bumps and bruises. I mean, you're probably seeing it in some way or someone's shielding it, but you need to see this. I'm sorry. You need to read what... Better yet, stick to places where autistic people are gathered, which is on Reddit. The, um, you know, they're keeping their anonymity. Anonymity. Oh my gosh, I'm not saying the word. Staying anonymous. <laughs> oh my goodness. And uh, and see what genuine autistic people feel about your movie, and take it to heart, and then make a statement after that fact. I, I speak to someone that has uh, a high profile and speak to the process of what happened. I think that would be healthy culturally and to see where you went, see how you ended up in this mess of a movie. And maybe something can be learned from that. I don't think hiding from the unfortunate internet mob, uh, I think there's a chance to learn from this herself and everyone else, the entertainment industry in of itself can learn. Um, that said, let's keep moving on. Uh, Hollywood tends to get it wrong most of the time because of the reasons you would expect. Autistic people tend to be a bear, uh, to be barricaded from most of the process. Yeah. Uh, says Noor Pervez, Community Engagement Coordinator of the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. Oh, I need to look that up. The industry's long history of issues around diversity and inclusion encompass the abysmal track record when it comes to representing disability, including autism. The vast majority of characters across film and television are portrayed as being a the autism spe- uh, being on the autism spectrum are played as no played by neurotypical neurotypical actors, including Ben Affleck, Dustin Hoffman. Wait, Ben Affleck? I don't know what. Okay, whatever. Um, someone is going to have to tell me what Ben Affleck did as an autistic person because I remember Matt Damon was the genius in Goodwill Hunting, and he wasn't autistic, so someone's going to have to figure that out for me. Later winning an Academy Award for his portrayal of an autistic savant in the 1988's Rain Man. Revez notes that the stories like music include nonverbal autistic characters are pretty universally stories. What? Okay, i got to reread that again. Are pretty universally stories about the people around us rather than ourselves he has it has been being done in a way that infantilizes aac augmentative and alternative communication users and talks about us as though we are a burden rather than us just being part of everyday life and that's kind of the point it's you know that's kind of the thing with with the movie it it was an immediate and and we do kind of need to be honest here. Is, uh, depending on the the severity of some, one's autism, burdens is a very strong word. But it's not necessarily an accurate word because there is a challenge to being with someone with autism, regardless of the severity of it. But obviously, more challenges come with the higher of the severity. Uh, and it's a hard discussion to have because it diminishes one's, I believe, 
value when you're considered too much of a burden. Physical, mental, financial. And that's hard. That's hard to hear. That's hard to accept. Especially when you got parents that are going to have a child that on the high end of the spectrum. Or I uh, just a uh, little functioning. Uh, they're not probably going to get married. They're probably not going to have much of a job. Or have many prospects of uh, making uh, uh, making money. And so you worry about their future when you know you're you're gonna pass before your child does, and that scares people, and it makes it hard on them in that many aspects. Like I said, burden is it's a strong word, but it, it's not necessarily inappropriate. Um, and if you disagree, please message me via you know social media and also Anchor and all the other stuff. I I love to have discussions with other people on the autism spectrum. I like to see all. I might be missing something. I could be miss, missing something. So I'm open to hearing, you know, that other side that I might miss. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, researchers are available for industry players who want to represent disability authentically and ethically. Because there is such a limited representation of autism on screen right now, every time there is representation, it is going to be scrutinized. Very true. So do yourself a favor and make sure you are doing your research from multiple sources, offers Lauren... Applebaum, VP Communications for Respectability, which seeks to combat stigmas for people with disabilities. This organization works with companies like Netflix and Disney individual filmmakers to provide resources and consultations from script development to casting uh, to site visits that would better allow for the authentic portrayals of stories that include disability. It is currently consulting on five projects that feature characters or actors on the autism spectrum. So that means yay, more podcast episodes, me criticizing movies. Cool. Uh, continuing. There was actually really, because uh, I skimmed over it to begin with, so I'm trying to find that one paragraph that was really uh, interesting. Uh, oh, this was a nice one. Uh, respectability consultant uh, Ava Riglott. I hope I pronounced that correctly. A writer, performer who is on the autism spectrum, has talked to writer and producer of developing shows that feature autistic characters. She shares her own experiences and offers notes about dialogue and insights into characters' physicality. But she also points out that she alone cannot speak for the entire community. There is a saying, when you meet one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. Again, that's why I have brought up me multiple times almost every episode. You know, it's hard, especially in media, to, it is hard to represent the autistic community when there is such a wide array of our abilities, our personality types, personas, uh, and how the disabilities, because it's not really a linear spectrum. It's more of a, of, of, a, of a color wheel where you have certain spikes of characteristics where you're more into red green for your ability to communicate or you're um uh more into purple red and you might have more difficulties uh understanding social behavior so you know so i think when people think spectrum of autism they really think of a linear spectrum when in reality it's more four-dimensional and shooting in like the universe just shooting in every single direction where it's like there's spikes of certain things or even an enclave of things maybe regressing but okay diversion we divert too much um uh, uh several advocacy groups have pointed that pixar bound short loop has an authentic representation of autism loop follows a nonverbal autistic girl and a chatty boy uh 
man, I'm more chatty than other people would expect. Uh, that's why a lot of people don't expect me to have autism, I think, because um, I can definitely get going fairly easily. Um, they are partnering on a canoe trip and learn to communicate. And it's part with me, part in Pixar's sp uh, Spark Shorts, a short film program for new storytelling within the studio ranks. The program also spawned the debut of the studio's first game main character. And what is it? Short? Oh, in the short out. Okay. Um, writer director Erica Milson's idea for Loop came after she took a sabbatical from her job as Pixar's in-house documentarian and began to volunteer at NYAD, a Bay Area art center for adults with disabilities, where she was placed in a group that had several non-speaking individuals. The head of production, the filmmaker created a PowerPoint presentation to show to everyone working on Loop, from producers to animators, the detailed research as well as first-person experiences from individuals on the spectrum in the hopes of helping to the creatives convey the storytelling, the story visually and authentically. Uh, here's a quote from the director. When you are leading someone into a space that they are unfamiliar with, like autism, uh, the best thing you can do is to help them understand as much as possible. And that is where the, the problem is with the movie music. And I'm sorry, I'm diverging from the story, but um, Sia exclaimed that she essentially conversed or had some sort of consultation with Autism Speaks, least like advocacy group among autism people. Um, I don't know how they can take the reputation with regarding that, but it's pretty permanently damaged among the autistic community. Community, but and you can kind of see why. If this, if she really did consult with them, and her movie is this much of a disaster, what on earth did Autism Speaks tell Sia? Right. So, and then the issue is like, okay, wh wh Maddie Ziegler obviously uh, she talked about uh, she went and saw people um, with on the autism spectrum that were nonverbal, how they acted, you know. But you left that up to a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> That's really when it started. She was 14 years old. Like, uh, not really. I don't think she was much of an actress at 14. So, what, what, like, there's just so many pitfalls that the, the, right from the get-go that this was happening. And no wonder I, it took four years to film. And then another, now, what, four years to get into production. Or three years to get it uh, out for people to watch. <sighs> okay. Many autistic characters on screen remain overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly male and white. Uh, if anyone is curious, which I doubt, I am uh, still male, but I am uh, Mexican. So I am not white. I am a minority. So I'm a minority autistic. Yay! Uh, as in the case for the ongoing series Netflix, Atypical, and ABC medical drama The Good Doctor, bleh. I don't. Yeah, I've already talked about typical, and I've already talked about good doctor. Let's keep going on. Disability is very intersectional. Uh, I am a, an autistic Chinese adoptee with a white single mom. That is pretty intersectional. I haven't seen any story like that. Yep, that's uh, very true. And it's interesting because you know, like I am uh, married uh, for uh, coming uh, eleven and a half years. Uh, Hispanic gentleman that uh, does wedding photography on the side that's been in a dog groomer for 10 years. Oh, yeah. I'm up on 10 years. Yay for me. I've been in one industry for 10 years. Oh, my God. I'm getting old. Uh, okay. Madison Bandy, a local autistic talent from Oakland who is nonverbal herself, was cast as Renee when it became clear that the 
carnivorous record studio at Pixar was not conductive to Bandy's sensory processing, Milsom and her sound recorders relocated to Bandy's home and wished they recorded despite possibly problematic ambient noises. So, there was genuine effort by a major studio. Now, granted, so, granted, Pixar is ginormous. They're, they literally probably one of the few companies that can get a blank check on almost any project that they get started on. Uh, the production company, I don't even, I can't remember what it was called, like, something Llama Banana Llama, I don't remember at this point. So, like, I, I, there's a re- reason why their movie, music, took four years to film. It, it Movies are insanely hard to make. They are financially uh, a waste. <laughs> I mean, that's just the best way to put it. So uh, they are financial disasters. They're probably worse than investing in a restaurant. Like, if you want to throw away money, uh, invest in a restaurant. If you really want to waste money and be charitable, you finance a movie. So I think people need to also grasp the idea, you know, if there were issues on set for whoever the original autistic individual was that they had to be uh, the the character music, um, there is some minor understanding as to they obviously had budget limits. That said, I don't care. (laughs) There are so many problems overall with the movie. Um, you can understand it's still not care. I think it's not that complicated. Ugh, okay, this I like this. Okay, yeah. Uh, from Progress. Uh, if the environment itself is hostile to us, you are going to have issues when you get on screen because you haven't meaningfully dealt with the community you are representing. Notes Progress. Hiring autistic cast and crew for production can include making onset accommodations like. Providing noise canceling headphones for the sound sensitive, but for budget sensitive Hollywood, any additional ar- uh, arrangements can be labeled as cost and time prohibitive. Again, you know, movies are insanely difficult to, from the bottom up, get done. Uh, especially, um, I mean, even a simple drama, you have to pay for location. You, there's probably 30 people on any set. When you think about, uh, you know, the dozens of lights going around, several sound people, you got your grips, you got your your behind the scene guys taking photos, you got your director, you have your your um, what's the one for the script? I forget. Um, but there's it's it's kind of crazy when you get to the full production. Um, okay, the filmmaker spent weekends on YouTube watching panels and convert. Oh yeah, yeah, convert conversations. Uh, featuring autistic people speaking about representation as well as speaking directly to friends on the autism spectrum. Advocates and consultants know the first-person account are the ones that should inform and create process, inform the creative process. Suggested resources can be found at multiple self-advocacy organizations, both on the local and national level, as well as local centers for independent living across social media. Uh, s- don't go to their parents or therapists. Go to them, says Milsom. As Hollywood looks to tell more inclusive stories, it is rec- wait, wait. It is reckoning with how to best go about doing so. Those who spoke to THR for the story, ho- Hollywood Reporter, uh, were quick to note that 
while research, consultation, and inclusive casting practices are welcome improvements on paths filled with misrepresentation, the best practice is always to employ autistic, indivi autistic individuals across the pr production. Uh, says Applebaum, consultants are great, writers are better. So, oh, when you tell a story about a community that is not your own, that is a responsibility you need to take really seriously, concludes Prevez. And if you can't get that community you're trying to represent to be part of the process, then that is a problem the industry has to deal with. So, I hopefully don't have to talk about this again. I am kind of uh, over it. I'm over the movie. I'm over uh, Sia. I w hopefully, again, I think she needs to uh, come out um, and... Uh, be a forefront and realizing that there was mistakes made with this. Be open and honest. Have that serious conversation. And and I, I, she doesn't need to look for atonement. She, she doesn't even need to apologize because, you know, unless it comes out genuine. Uh, and, you know, you recognize a genuine apology. Uh, and that's the only thing that's going to kind of get her any more, you know, people not, <laughs> at least in the autism community, hating her. Uh, but it's, it's we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so thank you if you made it this far. I There was two really cool things because um, uh, that I wanted to end it on, on a positive super note because two really cool stories. Um, uh, I'm going to save, let's see. Okay, I'm going to do this one. This one's really cool. So this one, uh, this gentleman... Uh, Mark Finnerty uh, attempted a mammoth task as of completing a 200-kilometer cycle to raise funds to build a playground for the Autism Spectrum Disorder Unit at a, uh, I can't pronounce this, Social Iofi in City West. Mark's daughter, Lily, is one of 12 pupils at the ASD unit. If you can't tell, uh, I couldn't really quick figure out there uh, in Europe. Um, so he was running to really create this park um, uh, to, you know, for the sensory for the sensory sensitive. Uh, they have been slowly building up the unit with autism specific stuff. The main thing that they are missing is a playground because kids cannot go to the main playground as they get overwhelmed with noise. My wife and I are talking. We're talking before Christmas. Came up with the concept of doing a fundraiser for the school. In the background, the school was thinking of doing a fundraiser, but they did not know what to do. It was just perfect timing. Mark told the oh, echo. Echo, sorry. Uh, should read over the stuff first, huh? <laughs> um, as uh, what was the other part? Oh yeah. Um, it means that they go outdoors. If you remember your own school days, your favorite part of your day was when you get to go outside in the classroom and run around and play football and hopscotch with your friends. But these kids don't have that. They have a couple of scooters that they can just go around in circles at the moment. It will bring on their social interaction with other kids in the playground. It gives them a safe environment, and it will let the kids be kids. A cycle is scheduled for June 26th, and we'll see, and we'll see Mark and his friend Chris take on an 11-hour cycle, stopping only for a quick lunch. Uh, it is ultra-distance event. It will be doing 200 kilometers in one day on a bike. Me and my friend Chris are doing it. We are training six days a week, up at 5 a.m. before work and in the evenings. We do this distance cycles on the weekends, which is very difficult 
and if you can stick with 5k on your home at the moment so we have to go around one big circle around the house we started in january and we'll finish in june with the cycle pre-planned for june 26 so this is really cool because i was into cycling for uh, a bit um i used to uh i got a bike and i would ride it to work with thir 13 miles and so um and i was trained for the the two months uh, building up into doing a century ride, a hundred mile ride, uh, it is hard. I mean, you are, it's generating. So it's a huge shout out to Mark here. Um, and I hope they're able to build up uh, the funds for this because uh, that'll be really cool. All right. Ending on the positive note of, well, let me double check here. Let's see. Yes. World record. In India, by a 12-year-old autistic girl. Now, this is really, really cool. Okay, so this is the title. 12-year-old autistic child creates record by swimming Bandura Whirly Sea Link to the Gateway of India. So, um, back on February 17th, 2021, um, uh, we have young girl, 12-year-old Jaya Rai, um, uh, swam the distance of 36 kilometers in a record eight hours and 40 minutes. Uh, and I love in the article it says, and just for the record, she is autistic, which I kind of like because it's not like, you know, at least you're adding at that point, you know, minus the fact that the title kind of puts it in there. Um, you know, this is, I mean, it's an incredible feat to spend that much time in the water. Um, now, this is why it is super impressive. Um, where did it go? I read this one now. I'm like all over the place because I spent so much time talking about music. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, with this, Jaya has become the youngest girl diagnosed with ASD to swim 36 kilometers in the open sea. So there's no lanes. There's boats. There's I don't even know if there's sharks, but that's the whole point. Open sea, 36 kilometers. Last year, at the age of 11, she created a world record as the fastest special girl to swim. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that special girl, but hey. India. I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass. Uh, uh, swam 14 kilometers open water when she swam from Elephanta Island to the Gateway of India in February 2020. 15th of February 2020. And a record 3 hours, 27 minutes, and 30 seconds. Um, so, I mean, it's just really awesome to see, you know, again, the spectrum of what we can do uh, and who they are. I mean, she has her challenges. They talk about here due to her autism-related delay in speech. Jaya cannot communicate verbally. She is a very sensitive child, and she can read my face and tell if I'm upset or sad. Jaya is a very strong sense of right and wrong and vocal about it. She'll say mama right or mama wrong if she sees someone swimming in the right or wrong manner. Um, you know, I mean, this is kind of like the idea of, you know, someone taking their autism and using it to be super focused on one thing. She's obviously a talented swimmer. I mean, I don't know swimmers as far as, you know, this is a world record. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from this girl. This is, this is awesome. I mean, I'm not going to do it. She's younger than me doing something way more awesome. So, you know what? Huge shout out to her and uh, and her family and that support. So that's really cool. So ending on a positive note, I want to thank everyone who's making it this far uh, for the uh, – Ballistic Autistic Podcast. I really appreciate um, uh, all my few, very few <laughs> listeners. Uh, but that's okay. Um, I'm just having fun doing this, and I hope everyone's enjoying uh, what 
uh, I've done thus far. So uh, if you'd like to get on, um, contact me or anything else. Uh, I'm trying to be better. I plan to be better about with my uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that. But if you'd like to reach out to me via any of these platforms, so Instagram, Ballistic Autistic Pod. Twitter, Ballistic Aspie, Anchor, you can ballistic you can reach it via the Ballistic Autistic Forum. Email ballistic autistic pod at gmail. Um, and uh, no, thank you all for the your time and listening and borrowing your ears. I hope you loved it. I'm still trying to figure out if I'm gonna keep trying to put these up on uh, YouTube. Um, so wherever you're listening to this, if you can leave a review, if you can give a little love with a, a nice little upvote or some positivity, would super, super appreciate it. Um, uh, so if you loved it, share it with a friend. If you hated it, share it with a friend of me. And uh, I hope you are all doing great. So peace. <laughs>